0: Welcome to the Padres on Deck Podcast. We're taking a look at top prospects across the Padres Minor League system with Bill Center and David J of Mad Friars discussing our top three prospects across the system. Where Luis Arias ends up in September now that he's raking in the Texas League and the top relievers in the Padres Minor Leagues, all in this week's Padres on Deck Podcast. Welcome, Padre fans, to the inaugural broadcast, or podcast, I should say, of Padres on Deck, which is going to be a regular feature on Padres.com uh, slash Friar Wire, Padres.com, of uh, a look at the minor leaguers. And today, this is Bill Center of Padres.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Padres Central, and uh, you can find me on Padres.com and Padres... Dot com slash I am joined today by David J. of madfriars.com. His Twitter handle is at madfriars. And David, let's start by having you give us a little uh, description of what you and what Madfriars does.
1: Thanks, Bill. Um, So Matt Friars has been covering the Padres minor league system since uh, back in 2003. I think at this point we've got more seniority on the player development side than anybody in the organization. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, our focus has always been as part of the scout.com network online, uh, looking at the system, players, coaches, player development side, the scouting side, uh, we're we run daily recaps of the system we do on-site reporting from each of the affiliates we do q a pieces uh you know we've we've talked in the last week with fernando tatis with cal Quantrill, with uh mark connor who's the scouting director getting ready for the draft in a couple of weeks and we've always prided ourselves on on providing in-depth coverage of the system uh starting when we did in a way that nobody else was doing, and we're glad to have some competition in the field now with you out there. So we're sort of co- we're sort of competing because,
0: of course, I do the daily Padres on Deck minor league report and the weekly uh, Padres on Deck players of the week. So we're actually in competition, but uh, we're going to be uh, joining here on the Padres on Deck. Pu- podcast to give you as much information as we can and let's start with something that just happened uh last uh just recently as we should say uh denelson lemay making his or lamette making his major league debut and i'm sure you were
1: tuned in david Absolutely, it was it was a lot of fun to see him. I actually saw him throw his uh, 13 strikeout game out in El Paso last month, and so uh, you know it's been it's been a pretty remarkable two year rise for him. You know he's a kid who signed late out of the Dominican. Uh, it was actually uh, Randy Smith's last signing for the organization uh, when he was handling the international scouting side, and you know he's gone from two innings of work or uh, four innings of work in the, in the Dominican summer league in 2014 to making a stateside debut in 2015. And here he is in the big leagues just barely two years later. So it's, it's been a really great success story, both for Randy and, and the scouting side as well as certainly the player development side in helping a, a kid, you know, his first outing in Fort Wayne, two years ago, he had a couple of box. He walked everybody. He, he was, Every runner who reached first base immediately stole second, so he was talented but raw, and in a very short time, he's gone from being an interesting talent to a really well-rounded pitcher, And and I don't think he's hit his ceiling yet.
0: Absolutely, and of course, last year started at uh Lake Elsinore to the start of the season and jumped all the way up to El Paso. Now he's in the major leagues uh will probably be here uh for quite a while. Interesting that uh yesterday people were talking about how that ranked with the greatest padre debuts ever, and they were talking about his eight strikeouts being the most since Bob Shirley. but I always sort of go back to uh um, uh, Jimmy Jones in uh, nineteen eighty seven, his first debut, one of the greatest games in Padre history. He threw a complete game, uh, one hitter. The only hit off of him was a third inning triple, uh, by Bob Nepper, who was the opposing pitcher. And it's gonna I think, David, it's safe to say it's gonna take a little work to have somebody top that as a debut.
1: I do think so. Uh but but if they do, if somebody does top him in the next couple of years, Jimmy will have a hand in it because he's out at in uh Double-A San Antonio as the pitching coach there. So certainly I think if he's going to lose that title, he'll be glad to lose it to to one of the guys who he's helping to develop for the club now. Right.
0: Now, uh, we're going to switch topics real quick and we're going to go to um we're, we're going to take a look Weekly or whenever we do one of these, we're going to take a look at the entire system. And I thought a good way to start it uh, right now is to ask you and I will then respond. Give me the three players that the Padres have added in this past year who have who have impressed you the most.
1: Well, I I think you've got to start with their number one pick last year, uh, Cal Quantrill. Um, you know, for me, what I saw out in Peoria last summer, out in uh, spring training and certainly so far in Elsinore, you know, so often when a guy's coming back off Tommy John surgery, command and feel are the last thing that comes back. And he's he's shown really solid feel uh really since he got into the organization you know he's 2 years off the surgery as of march he says he doesn't think about it anymore although i i know certainly the organization is still uh being extra protective of his innings and workload this year in his first full season but uh you know when you look at him the combination of stuff his knowledge of the game certainly as the son of a big leaguer he he's really quite comfortable in the clubhouse he has a lot of the leadership he's able to talk about his game and what he's working on in a way that a lot of guys a year into their professional career don't have the capacity to do um so you know i, I one of our writers uh, kevin charity just did a, a profile piece on him and looking at it it's just it's his ability to talk through what he's working on and, and think about what his next steps are uh, really stand out to me. In addition to the fact that he's got two fantastic pitches and, and two breaking balls that are both coming together as really good options for him. So uh, tough, tough not to like what they've gotten in the first what 11 months and two weeks since he was, uh, since he was the number eight overall pick last year.
0: Right. I'm going to go my number one, would be uh, Fernando Tatis, again, the son of a former major league player, which I think always gives a player a little bit of a head start in getting started because they've already seen what their father's done. They know the routine. I think that's a big boost, but Tatis extremely exciting to me he's growing right now he's playing shortstop I don't know if he's always going to be shortstop but he's got that combination of a real quick swing a really nice plate discipline and he can feel he's got a good arm he's got good range at shortstop he is a guy that really excites me and of course he came over in the James Shields trade I I would I would rank him number one and Cal number two, which brings me to your number two would be.
1: Well, I think Fernando's a great choice. I'll actually go uh, with one of Quantrill's rotation mates up there. And I think really any of the guys up there um, who, who are throwing would be good nominees. But I really, when you talk about surprising me and impressing me in his first year, uh, Joey Lucchese for me is that guy, um, you know, you n- know, after talking about two guys who were high profile name recognition, lucasie's a kid who didn't get drafted until after his senior year of college. He went undrafted out of high school. He went undrafted out of junior college. He was draft eligible as a sophomore and, and nobody paid attention to him. So uh, to do what he's done in his first professional year, he completely overmatched hitters in the Northwest league last year, and he's doing it again in the Cal league. Uh, I think, people often talk about the, the funky delivery he's got and it is weird, but he's a lot more than just a, a, a funky delivery guy. He's got good stuff with fastball. His, his breaking ball has made some hitters just look ridiculous so far this year. Um, he also has the fun <laughs> – I've watched him twice uh, now with a runner on first base because his delivery is is so unorthodox. He's had runners diving back to the base as he delivers his pitch home, which uh, there's there's really no graceful way for the runner to recover at that point. So it, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch.
0: You know, when I first saw Lucchese in uh, spring training, I was there with Bob Scanlon. We're watching him, and, the fir- of course, the first thing you see is the delivery and – at first you don't really pay attention to what where the what the ball's doing and after that he's got a ton of movement uh on his particularly on his fastball and it's a nice package uh the funk with the uh stuff um you know my I'm going to cheat here because my number uh to Lucchese's right there. My number two would probably be Quantrill and my number three would be somebody that the Padres have had for a while and that would be Logan Allen. I just I love this kid. I love the I love the left hander's delivery, the the repeatable delivery. I think that he had a little bit of a setback last year. I think that this kid is really gonna come on fast.
1: I think that's a good uh, a good bet to make. I uh, definitely like the way he his mentality on the mound in addition to his stuff. He's a you know, he just turned 20 this last week and uh there's a really good argument to be made that he should already be in in high A certainly. I think we'll see him there relatively soon. But uh I, I'll, if if we're going to cheat, I, I'll I'll accept that as a good cheat. Um I think uh if if we're going to throw out one other name, You know, obviously the the third of the three high-profile pitchers in last year's draft class, uh, Eric Lauer, is is certainly a guy who who deserves credit for what he's done. Um, You know, is he as much of a surprise as Lucchese for me? No, but certainly it's it's impressive what he's doing. Um, You know, another one who early on this year his velocity wasn't quite where we were seeing it uh, when he was in college at uh, Kent State or early on in his pro debut last year his last couple of times out it's been up a little bit more into that 91 92 range uh to sit and touching a little bit higher being able to to add those couple of extra miles of velocity obviously makes a big difference for him um you know, another guy who he's done everything you could have asked and more so far and uh And I suspect that the, the list of boxes he has to check before he moves on from the Cal league is getting pretty short at this point.
0: Right. Last uh, May 23rd, by the way, Logan Allen turned 20 and May 30 23rd. He actually pitched that day, allowed one run on five hits, uh, six strikeouts, no walks, uh, pretty good outing. In fact, his ERA now is 1.76. You know, speaking about Lauer, when you look at the guys from last year's draft, and I agree with you on Eric Lauer, I view him as possibly the player who the Padres have acquired in the last year who will make it to the major leagues first. And I put him ahead of Quantrill because they're still going to be uh, looking... they're going to be monitoring Quantrill's innings uh, coming off of that Tommy John surgery two years ago. I don't think that they're going to push him forward as fast. And I see Lauer as possibly being the quickest to the major leagues. And actually, when he, when he was drafted last year, he said he expected to be in the major leagues by 2017. Out of the people that they've acquired in the last year, David, who do you see as being the quickest to the majors? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I guess I I could cheat and list the three Rule Five kids they drafted who've already been here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you could. <laughs> That's one way to make sure I look right on at least one thing in the conversation. Um, I I do think it's got to be either Lauer or Lucchese. Um, you know, they're running a six man rotation up in Elsinore, and even with that, they've given Quantrill now twice. They've given him extra time between starts. You know, I think they're going to try and keep him in that. 110 115 innings range for the year and they really you know they do think that that Elsinore team has a playoff chance and I think they want to keep him there and pitching through the playoffs uh I think Lauer and Lucchese is it are sort of a toss-up for who's most likely to move fastest and I think ultimately it'll come down to who produces better when they get to San Antonio and I I do think they're both going to be there uh, they may not be the first guys who, who go up. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of the organizational guys get there first, but but certainly they'll both be at AA, uh, I would guess, by the time this year's draft class gets headed out to their assignments. Speaking
0: of AA, let's go now to the person who I think uh, has has demanded the most – uh following in the system right now and that is our the he was the youngest player in the Midwest League, he was the youngest player in the Cal League, now he's the youngest player in the uh, Texas League, hitting three forty eight. Luis Urias, uh second baseman, played some short. I see this guy as being uh, very quick to the major leagues, although I think they're going to keep him in San Antonio all this season. I could be wrong, but he's still only 19. And I like to get your comments on Luis.
1: Well, uh, Urias has the best bat-to-ball skill that I have seen, not just in the Padres system, but of any player that I've watched in in the last decade plus that I've been writing about minor league ball. It is it is uncanny. He controls the zone really well, so he's not swinging at stuff out of the zone. And if it's in the zone, he's making hard contact with it. Uh, it, It's really remarkable. He's, he has not been phased by anything he's seen. You know, not only was he the youngest in the Midwest league when he got there, this is a kid who was playing at the pro level in Mexico uh, right about the time he turned 15 against, at that point, against guys who were eight, nine, 10 years older than him. Uh, So nothing phases him. He had that three-day stint in AAA last year. Last year. So he also holds the distinction of having been the youngest guy in the PCL last year. Um, and, and in those three days, he homered in his first at bat. And I think he put up an OPS North of 1200. So, uh, <laughs> there's, there's not much, much question of, of whether he can hit. Um, I do think that he'll probably get a chance to move back up to El Paso at some point this year. Uh, I think There's, there is an advantage to, to getting him out there. But one of the things I like about the Texas league, you're talking about a league there that only has eight clubs in it. So, seeing what he does when pitchers have a book on him and have faced him a couple different times and how he's able to adjust to what he's seen from a pitcher when he's facing him for the third or fourth time and what he does when pitchers adjust against him there's real value in that and that's something that that now at both the cal league and double a stops in the padres organization you've got but i do think that that by the time we get to the middle of summer and the minor league all-star breaks, I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if he's not up in El Paso. Although that said, I, I think I am officially out of the game of trying to predict when Sam Ganey's is going to make any individual player development move with, with any prospect. I'm with you. Uh,
0: you know, Urias doesn't turn 20 until June 3rd. And there are a couple of things yeah. that really interest me about him is one over the course of a full season, he has never struck out more than he's walked and he takes a, a good number of walks. He, uh, his on base percentage, uh, this year is over 400. Uh, I, you know what? I'm not so sure that he's by, he's already three years, three and a half years below the average in the double a Texas league. Um, and last year, they did something interesting. They, The Padres decided that they wanted to keep some of their prospects in El Paso all year because they had a chance to win the PCL title, which they did. And they wanted them to be part of a championship season. They wanted them to to understand and to witness and experience being on a winning team right now san antonio has the best record in the texas league they lead the southern division and i'm i'm not so sure that if they're still doing this later in the summer that they don't keep Urias there, because you could jump just as easily from double A to the major leagues as you can from El Paso. The only difference might be is there's a notch up and the pitching that you face might be a little bit better in triple A. There are certainly more veteran pitchers in triple A. I'm not so certain that they will move him this year. It's just a gut feeling. I have no inside information.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting because I think going into the year, the club that was the obvious pick to be the, the playoff contender and, and really carry a group through was that uh, was, was the club up in Elsinore. They haven't, despite the, the talent that they've got up there, they haven't post- posted a record that, that has them in line for a playoff spot for the first half. Uh, so they may wind up... Uh, moving things around a little bit in a way they might not have otherwise. Uh, Certainly San Antonio is the division leader down there and and has a good shot at it. I suspect, you know, part of it with Urias this year was was the experiment with him getting some work at shortstop. You know, when we talked to Sam Ganey last year at the end of the year, he talked about wanting to to see what the options would be. I know John uh, Conniff, who writes for the site, was out in San Antonio right after I was in El Paso. When he talked with, with Phil Wellman, the manager out there, Wellman directly said he doesn't see Rodriguez being able to stay at the position at, at an everyday basis at the big league level. But certainly he's held his own with that and really with every challenge that they've put in front of him. And I think, again, you know, the question isn't – Oh, is he suddenly going to be challenged to make regular solid contact when he gets to AAA? There's there's no chance that that's going to be the issue. But I do think that that, especially for a kid who's as young as him, there is value in getting him some of the exposure, some more exposure uh, at, at the PCL level and letting him see how he makes adjustments there. But I do think that that's still, know, what, three, four, five, six weeks out. If it were me, but again, right. uh, guessing at Sam Gainey is always an adventure. So, right, I'm
0: not. Um, that was my own personal thoughts. You know, while we're on, while we're talking about Irias, who's of course uh, a native of Mexico and was very highly thought of in, in Mexico, the Padres have a 25 year old young man named, is still young, Christian Villanueva. Who was the player of the uh, week last week in the Pacific Coast League? The Padres signed him as a minor league free agent this past winter. He has a background with AJ Preller. Um, interesting to me that um, he's almost gone unnoticed under the radar. He's not on their top thirty prospects list. He used to be on the on the major league prospect list, and. Interesting to me. What do you think of Villanueva as a uh, as a major league prospect?
1: Well, I mean, he he's a really interesting story. Remember, he's the guy that the Cubs were excited to get from Texas in that Ryan Dempster trade a few years back, and Kyle Hendricks, the the pitcher who. for them in the postseason last year was, oh, yeah, there's this interesting righty and single-A guy coming over with him. So he certainly does have the pedigree. He was a top 100 guy for Baseball America uh, when he was in the Rangers system. He's always been a guy who was going to have to be offense first. He's a third-base primarily guy uh when he was younger and and on those national radars there was projection that he'd add power to his game based both on his body type and the swing he had and that's never fully come around uh you know last year he missed the entire year he was he had a gruesome leg injury when he was in big league camp at the very start of spring training didn't play at all and to the credit, both of AJ and his professional scouting group. That's, that is led by Pete DeYoung. Uh, they've, they've had really strong success with minor league free agents. Uh, you know, last year at this time was another minor league free agent who was tearing things up at third base in the PCL with, with El Paso. And that was Ryan Schimpf. So, you know, Villanueva's, uh, got a much better pedigree. Uh, there's probably more to like on the, on the balance of his game. But as with so many players, it's not just about the skill set you've got. It's about being in the right place at the right time. Certainly, if you look at at what he does, which is play third base, there are a bunch of guys on the big league roster already who do that. And so I think for him to get the break to to have the chance – something's gonna have to give but he needs a break if, right he he does absolutely uh but you know he, he i think part of the reason he's been under the radar he, he missed a good chunk of of spring training he missed the first few weeks of the of the season he was just getting ready to come back when I was out there and i think that uh you know because he missed all of last year i think he's been off of people's radar screens a little bit more uh, if he carries that 560 slugging percentage he's got going right now for for much longer he won't be off uh he, he will definitely get back into people's uh field of view pretty quickly uh but but I do think it's going to take something breaking in his direction for him to get a shot this year
0: I want to now go back to where we started and that would be Lamette. uh the the, the question being uh if Walker Lockett, who I see as being next in line, Uh, say Walker Lockett joins Lamette in the Padres rotation, and that could be through injuries or or they they just need another starter. Who do you see bouncing up from double-A to triple-A and then – single A to double A. I certainly see Michael Kelly and Kyle Lloyd moving from double A to triple A sometime. And I see Lauer and probably Lucchese being the first two uh, to jump uh, from uh, Lake Elsinore uh, to uh, San Antonio. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I definitely think that that we'll see Kelly back to triple A very soon. You know, he he spent time there last year. He's just horn up the Texas league through the, throughout this month. And he's a guy, you know, you go back and he was a supplemental first rounder out of high school in Florida. He's always had the stuff. It's, it's been a matter of consistency with him. I think uh, he has done everything they've asked him with with jimmy jones out in san antonio right now and i wouldn't be surprised if he's in triple a regardless of what happens at the big league level uh in in the very near future kyle lloyd obviously you know has a no hitter under his belt for the year he uh his last time out he he matched a strikeout total from that game uh he's a guy you know We've talked to him for, for several years in the organization. His split-finger fastball is probably one of the three or four best pitches in the system and always has been, but he's struggled to get to it sometimes because of uh, because it's a pitch that's more effective later in the count. This year, he's using his his two-seam fastball a lot more than the four-seamer and getting the... The action he has on that pitch, I know when John saw him out there, that was a, a real visible difference from from what we've seen in the past. I think both of those are guys who who quickly belong in El Paso. I think things might be a little bit uh, slower perhaps with the high profile guys going up to San Antonio. I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see uh, Jerry Keel, who spent time at three different levels last year, a little bit more of an organizational guy certainly than than Lauer and Lucchese, but I I wouldn't be surprised to see him bounce back up to San Antonio uh, where he was for part of the year last year. Really uh, impressive worker, lefty. He's from up in the high desert, so he's time out here before, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him. And depending on, again, how much they want to keep that trio of high-profile guys together, uh, given that they are going to slow play Quantrill some this year, I wouldn't be too surprised if we see another shuttle move like they have made a couple times already this year with a kid like Chris Huffman, who was a really solid performer for Elsinore last year, and was back at that level this year more out of organizational necessity than than it being where he would have lined up otherwise. So, I do think we'll get Lucchese and Lauer out in the Texas League, certainly by the time the draft comes around. But wouldn't be surprised if they're not the very first moves. And then, you know, at, at Elsinore we're going to see Jake Nix really soon, who is every bit as exciting as, as those three guys to me.
0: Right. And Anderson Espinosa, hopefully.
1: Yeah. I, you know, he's certainly further off. Uh, Nick's had a much more minor, uh, it was a hip, hip flexor groin issue thing that, that popped up right when spring training started. He was, uh, bounced back a couple of times, but he's been throwing, game action out in extended spring training in peoria and i think he's ready to go probably Uh, Espinoza's just at the start of his throwing program so i think he's he's a longer wait and they're certainly going to be supremely cautious with him as they should be right you know kelly uh last
0: night uh No uh, runs over five innings, allowed three hits and uh, struck out eight. He's now four and one with a 2.59 ERA in the Texas League. Those are good numbers. Uh, To me, you know, we always look at these top 30 prospect lists. Uh, MLB.com does one. Baseball America does one you guys do one uh to me Kelly's uh, I mean you do a top prospect list not necessarily a top 30 but you always have a list of top prospects um to me Kelly's one guy in my book um who probably should be on that list and isn't um just wondering what additions you might have
1: yeah and I will give John Connor credit he uh, has has remained our high man on on kelly and had him on his personal top 30 that we ran over the winter but he didn't make it into the top 20 consensus group that we do out of the four of us uh for me i'll go back you know, my answer is anybody who's on my top 30 list who isn't on mayo's is is clearly being missed by mlb.com so um i think i i'll stick with the guy who i've been high man on for several years and that's friend Miel reyes uh you know Reyes is just a massive human being. He's been stateside since he was 16. Um, you know he he's an outfielder out in San Antonio this year. Always had uh, a lot of obviously raw power and and some solid approaches at the plate sometimes, but he's also been a guy who has not always been fully geared in mentally i think we saw a real transition with him in the second half of the season last year out at at elsinore he finally was using the lower half of his body and his swing consistently he was making some better uh pitch recognition choices and he's he's built on that this spring out at double a which obviously you want to see things continue and and to begin to integrate the next phase as as he's raising a level he's still even though it feels like he's been around forever for those of us who follow the system uh still not going to turn 22 until next month and yeah he's a guy who who certainly could very well wind up in the big leagues at some point as as a fourth outfielder or more depending on his ability to continue to repeat those those mechanical changes
0: 6 foot 5 240 and I mean it's a firm 6 foot 5 240. He is Well, he I, is, that 240 that 240 is probably uh, probably a about on the 260. Side. Right. Yeah. Right. He's probably yeah. about 260. But I mean yeah. he is a big big guy.
1: Yeah. Uh just just his hands are are massive and everything about him and he has been since he since he came over as a teenager.
0: Uh let's we're going to wrap it up today with one more subject. Uh we're going to talk about relievers for a moment. Um, what's interesting to me is the Padres bullpen. Uh they they may lose some guys through trades. Uh I I'm just looking down the road a little bit as to who we might expect up there. My number one uh my number one guy sliding into that spot would be uh Phil Matone and then uh, a guy that all of a sudden has been on the radar for a while and is beginning to produce Rafael De Paula
1: yeah absolutely uh you know Maton is a is a guy who put up just video game numbers last year. He's got that riding fastball that completely overwhelmed hitters at multiple levels. He, the thing is, he's not just a one pitch guy. He does have a slider. When I was out in El Paso, I actually saw him throw it three straight pitches. Uh, the, the opposing hitter from, from the Seattle organization was not excited about that and and went down on all three of them. But, uh, you know, I think he's a guy that, you look at at both by virtue of his stuff, that that high fastball, you know people talk about spin rate, and what that really is about is is the ball not moving the way most other pitchers do he his his ball really does tend to ride more than most which makes it a really tough adjustment for hitters especially late in the game so uh you know you gotta love you gotta love the stuff that he's got you also i i'm really impressed by the makeup he is definitely a guy who uh seems to enjoy being in that spot um you know to is the other kid who came over with with solarte in the trade with the yankees a couple years ago he's He stayed in a starting role for a while in the organization. They moved him over to the the bullpen spot last year. And he's definitely been an anchor in what is a strong and deep bullpen for San Antonio. Uh, Wouldn't be surprised at all to see him at the big league level at some point this year. I'll throw out one other name who I saw in El Paso who uh, has a history with with Logan White when he was with the Dodgers. And that's Logan Bauckham, another kid. Uh, Logan, uh, Logan, minor league free agent. Yeah, all Logan all the time. Um, Right. um, uh, but he's, he's a righty who, uh, can, can really show a wipe out slider. Uh, he's putting up strong numbers in the PCL and I wouldn't be surprised at all at some point if he got a, a chance to come up and work some innings and help that bullpen that is definitely being taxed. They, they can't afford a lot more one inning appearances out of their rotation anytime soon.
0: No, with Manton, I know that one thing they've been working on this year is they're trying to get his changeup to be where his fastball, a compliment to his fastball and slider, and they've been asking him this year to go to the changeup a lot more. Okay, hey, listen, we're gonna wrap up this uh, first uh, first edition of the Padres on Deck uh, podcast. He's David J of. Uh, MadFriars.com, uh, and that's also Twitter at MadFriars. I am Bill Center with uh, at Padres.com and at Padres.com Friar Wire, and at uh, Padres Central on Twitter. David, I thank you an awful lot today, and it's we'll see you pleasure.
1: soon. Good deal. Look forward to it, Bill. Thank you.